0: Hello and welcome to Codebytes, sponsored by Search 5.0. I'm your host, Stephen Turkington, and on today's episode, very pleased to welcome Gareth Kelly from EY. Codebytes was formed to create an accessible pool of mentors. as still to this day, we see plenty of aspiring technologists without that go-to person within their career. Many of our listeners will be aware of Gareth, who's done several keynote speaking events locally. Garth is the partner in EY's data analytics and AI space, which of course is growing massively uh, this year. In this episode, we delve into Garth's background and the exposure he gained from consultancy. We also look at the route to partnership uh, with a bump along the way. Uh, we also discuss the power of mentorship and the great initiatives that we see in EY, advice to mindset in adopting AI, and we also let you in on a little secret uh, about Gareth and a side hobby, but you'll have to hang on to the end of today's episode. This is a great conversation and I hope you enjoy.
1: Gareth, a very warm welcome to Kobe.
2: Stephen, delighted to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Really pleased to, to have you on. Gareth, you probably haven't had as many consultancies on so I'm really looking forward to getting a glimpse of how the consultancy world served you and that journey and what it can do for our listeners I know there's a couple of good things as well Gareth we're going to touch upon so yeah listen, without further ado I'd love for you to kick off and give us a bit of a overview of your background Gareth what got you into the industry and to where you are today.
2: Yeah. So look, Gareth Kelly, I'm a a partner and I lead our data analytics practice at EY across the island of Ireland with a number of other partners, but mostly in Belfast as well. So we're about 230 people. So we've grown massively. I joined in 2017 where 80 people are now 230, but I'll maybe start with how you got onto that almost consultancy journey and, and working with the big four. So growing up, Love school, very academic, did a, a law and accounting degree at Queen's. Really different, right? Because you got both, you got the law, legal side and the accounting side. I'm now not a lawyer nor an accountant, right? So I didn't have a clue what I wanted to do. I applied everywhere. I applied all to the big four, got into Queen's Law School. But luckily I got a job in 2006 with PwC. So again, joining PwC, didn't know what I wanted to do. But luckily I joined in a, a, a department called Management Information Systems. So I found my home in data there, right, where working with local clients, how to get the data, process the data, deliver insights, right? And that was just reporting packs and Sage so we, we, and, and lots of different small accountancy systems. So back in the day, ODBC connectivity, Excel, access databases, that's where I found my love for data. So uh, it was really good fun. The world stopped 2007, 2008, and all of that market started to dry up locally. So I found myself as a data guy on a plane, working in London, the Lehman's administration, big banking kind of experience there, coding in Sybase, revaluing trades, again, access databases, SQL databases, just cutting my teeth in terms of my ability to code. I wouldn't say the best coder in the world, but I was keen to learn and develop that. Spent about 11 years at PwC, never really in Belfast, so a lot of time in London, some time in the Middle East with the likes of Qatar and Etihad Airways and in Qatar itself and in Dubai, spent time in Germany and a lot of time in London and, and various places. So really exciting part of my career. Got me out of Northern Ireland and showed me what other cultures were like and other businesses and worked right across sector. It went from Excel to Access to SQL to Oracle to SAP to AI, machine learning, and just grew from there. So very much self-taught and self, self-informed from clients. Joined EY then in 2017 as a director and helped set up our digital audit business. So helping the likes of Walmart, Facebook, Google, Netflix. We, we audit all, six out of the 10 top brands how we can have a digital audit approach to how we deliver audit services. So, spent a lot of time in the US, brilliant experience, Chicago, Arkansas with Walmart, McDonald's, Aon, amazing companies and access to the C suite there. So, you know, working with really cool, different thinking individuals. So, real learning experience for me. We, we've then grown this data analytics practice into our non audit clients. So, our consulting market, again, taking that from to 130 or 200, 230 people. So lots of growth. We're the second biggest analytics practice in Europe across the UI network. So punching well above our weight. So look, that's a short synopsis of my career. Um,
1: wow. What a journey, Gareth. And probably you've evolved in, in many ways from the early days. Just I think you put it the first time I met, the XL push sure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> And it doesn't actually, which we've learned from CodeBytes, where people who get a chance to go and travel to different countries, how much they evolve in regards to the culture piece and appreciate different working environments and different working types. care has obviously served you today. So I'm quite keen to explore, if you were to look back in your career today, mm-hmm. has there been a defining moment or a pivotal moment that stands out for you?
2: So I was thinking about this, right? I'm a consultant, so I think of everything in threes, right? (laughs) So uh, uh, they're easily digestible in threes. So I I would characterize probably the first defining moment as the big four confusion, right? So when you join a a big company like PwC, you you can you feel like you can be and do anything. You can be an accountant. You could go a, a legal route. You could do a marketing route. You could do recruitment, people, HR. And I, I did find it hard to to work out what I wanted to do. That D- didn't naturally just jump into the data piece and, and find my, my home there. So there was probably a piece where I was enjoying the social aspect of it, going out, living for the weekend, living for the nights out, and then you get the highs and the lows. And I remember someone said to me, called me aside one of the, my manager's time, and said, Gareth, I think you could be more than what you are. And that was a really hard-hitting moment for me going, actually you're not reaching your potential. I see something in you that you haven't really reached. So that to me allowed me to get a little bit more focused, less about the the good time, the weekend, living for the weekend, and more about actually what do I want to do. And that's where data and, and the, the the excitement around that industry that was growing at the time, that got me focused. So I think that's number one for me, the, the big four confusion, and you can be more than what you are, I think that was a really nice comment from a lady that was watching me almost underachieve, which was, so always take a bit of something from failures like that or or almost failures like that, which I think is really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I suppose that kind of moves us nicely, Gareth, to the next topic, which is the part of mentorship. Uh, And I'm keen to learn, what does mentorship mean for you and how important is one in one's career?
2: Yeah, look, I think mentorship, and I talked about those defining moments, right? There was in threes, there's two two more there, right? And they're actually closely related to to mm. that mentorship. So making that leap to EY, right? A colleague of mine, Owen O'Reilly, who set up the data analytics practice in EY across the island of Ireland, his view was, I want you to come in, be a leader and help us grow our practice. So actually someone that was 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 taking a bit of time to invest in me and say, actually, I want you to be a leader. I see you being a leader. And that kind of mentorship around joining a new company and giving me a bit of confidence and taking that leap, to me, that's a massive career defining moment that someone believes in you, very senior, who already is a partner in a big four firm saying, come join us, we want you to be a leader. So you know, kind of taking that leap of faith with me to kind of say, you can be a director and you can help run our business, Amazing. Something that Owen and I have been working together for six years now. And that mentorship, I think, has been been carrying on across that period. And I think I made partner in 2021. Mm-hmm. So that's third defining moment for me, which is tied to mentorship. So as part of that process, you go through many interviews, but the EY really helped you strip back yourself and understand what you're really good at, what your development points are. And we had many mentors across the different partner team in EY that would help you with your go-to-market, how to how to present, how to brand yourself, how to think about your business and grow that in a very commercial way, and also how to look at developing yourself through whether it's self-learning courses. They sent me to Oxford to do a leadership course. So I spent a year doing a leadership cor- course at Oxford. Yeah. That, for me, was really important to get access to all of those amazing lectures, almost acting as mini-mentors to give me information that would be very valuable to my career. But I actually failed the partner pro- process the first time. So I was supposed to go through it in 2020. So to me, that was a, a massive defining moment. COVID hit in the middle of all of that process. And they're saying, look, we're not making any partners this year. And to me, that was a year of hard-fought work. Mm-hmm. And I think, to me, that was the defining moment, being able to dust myself down and say, okay, it didn't happen this year and go at it again. And I think having that core team of mentors around you in those bad times, that's the most important type of mentor.
1: Absolutely. That's great, Gareth. Uh, and it's a real good mix and blend between trust, autonomy, but also the you know to help flourish. And uh, I guess that can lead us on nicely to talent. Gareth, And I from the outside looking in here? i listening to this podcast. I'm hearing about the great work you're doing in data and, and, and AI. I'm hearing about the great mentorship, the growth that you're going to have over the next kind of year, two years. And just all the solid foundation in EY, what does it take to
2: get through the door? So, look, I actually think talent, you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with, right? And and that's really what I think EY and, and our team Pride ourselves is getting access to the right talent. And actually, for me, getting talent from diverse backgrounds is really important, right? That diversity at, at the center of your talent is incredibly important. So to me, it's less about your grades, right? And more about your passion, right? And I think that really comes through. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. So when you're approaching an interview, right, don't try to be someone else. I think it's hard enough to be yourself rather than trying to be someone else. And I think academically gifted people almost come to an interview assuming that's going to carry them through. There's a little bit of protection from that and a bit of complacency, and often they forget about the fact that most of consultancy businesses are people businesses. So being able to tell their story, how they work as a team, not just about their individual success, but talk about collective success. So it's nice having that amazing academic background and having that as a kind of hygiene factor, to gets you through the door. But I think passion, people, and a focus on, on, on how everyone moves forward. I think it's very important to have when you're coming into interviews. So our our talent's really diverse. We have everything from salespeople to designers to design thinking type resources to hardcore programmers uh, and visualization experts Mm. and AI, machine learning, and data scientists. So we have a real mix of people. And I think it's important that you look at how how those people work together. So being able to show that you're a team player, that you're here to work together and grow and not just be personal success isn't team success, right? So I think that's really what I want to see coming out of people in the in the interviews.
1: Personal success isn't team success. Love that, Gareth. And that's the beauty thing of Code Byte too, where the, the proof is in the pudding, where a more diverse workforce creates better innovation, better collaboration. It's just a great overall working, empowering environment, Gareth. And I guess I want to move on to retention. Obviously, Mm -hmm. it takes a lot to go out and identify and bring on board talent with both the technical skills and the the human skills, which were touched upon there, Gareth, now. But what do you see
2: as good, perhaps,
1: pillars to actually keep people in jobs?
2: Look, it's actually really hard at the moment, right? Because... COVID has brought people into their own home, right? And their their office becomes their home, right? And so that, that culture of working together, teaming and seeing each other face-to-face, it's hard to build that team culture now, especially for new joiners. So I think pe- for retention, people are looking for a career path, right? They want to see opportunities for themselves. So... The thing that I like about EY is that there's opportunity to progress every year. You join as a graduate, you can work all your way up to manager and beyond. There's opportunities to progress. So having that career path, I think people look for a real learning path now as well. Mm. Particularly a lot of our data engineers, software engineers, and, and data scientists, they want to be challenged, right? They don't want to be bored. They want opportunities to be on projects where they will grow and and learn new things. So I think creating that learning pathway but also I think creating an environment where people can be happy and healthy, I think is really important, right? That underpins all of that. And I think that's what we work really hard to do to people at the moment. I'm seeing a lot of mental health issues because people are spending too much time alone at home, creating an environment where people feel supported and they want to come to work and they want to be part of that. I think the lines between working your home life and your work life are blurred now. So there has to be a bit of a family feeling nearly at work and a bit of comfort around being yourself. So look, those are some of the areas I think are really important to work and retention.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree, Gar. And you've maybe touched upon one or two there with the likes of the, the kind of working world we're in. But again, where you are today, what do you see as a current challenge to your industry?
2: AI is the biggest buzzword at the moment, right? Everyone wants it. They want it tomorrow. But I think a lot of people underappreciate the time, effort, and curation of data it takes to make AI work. So there's a bit of a rush to market, right? And I think clients want it, but also a lot of the providers are rushing the market with half-baked solutions. And Mm. I think that's creating a real, there's almost a wave of disappointment coming, right? The trough of unmet expectations, right? is happening around AI. It happens in any hype cycle. You get a peak of expectations then a big trough where it's not actually delivered. And I think we're jumping very quickly into that trough with poorly thought out solutions. One of the things I did a talk at Big Data Belfast and one of the things I said was that data quality is finally sexy. And so for the last 15 years, I've been talking to clients around data quality. And they haven't seen the value in that. They're going, why would I spend money in cleaning up my data? I've got a business to run. But now that AI, data is the, the fuel for AI, everyone's waking up to say, actually, or how we manage our data and information is going to be the qualifier for if we're eligible to use these AI tools to make better decisions, to give better experiences for our customers and to really drive the value that everyone expects from the new dawn of AI. But yeah, no, the biggest challenge is data. And curation of information. So that and data now is images. It's PDFs. It's contracts. It's not just the ones and zeros from your accounting system. So yeah, the biggest challenge at the moment for me, I'm saying, is how our clients are going to manage their data and get value from AI.
1: And on, on, on that piece as well, Gareth, obviously like you're very much the forefront of stakeholder management, but you're dealing with customers who have been enrolled in the, the hype, for instance, and perhaps a little bit. I guess a little bit overwhelmed at the same time, too, of the kind of the speed. How do you communicate for, for peace of mind to to your customers?
2: Well, I, I see a number of cohorts of people are coming out of this, right? You have the early adopters who are throwing money at this, right? And then you have the quiet watchers that are sitting in the background watching everyone throw money at this. And they're just waiting to pointer around going, okay, they've made this work. They're seeing value. We're, we're going to do that. So both approaches are okay. So it's it, so if you're if you want to move fast and put some money in this, fine, but take a look at what you want to get out of this. and it's going to make you money or save you money. I wouldn't be doing it at the moment. Mm-hmm. So So I'm in the middle of the road going i'm I'm helping companies be early adopters. We're working in partnership with Microsoft. We're using their fabric platform, and we're getting some real value out of this but it's almost the most mature companies that have good data that are getting value now. So my advice now is think wisely. Maybe if you're in doubt around the value of this to take a step back, do a bit of quiet watching and and see what's happening. Use third-party support here. That's what the likes of EY and the consultancies are here for. We've invested a lot in this. We've employed some of the best people in the world to to help you walk through this. So use your third-party advice wisely and I think we can help you get through this.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely, Gareth. And what in today's market, with all that's going on, what advice would you have to any aspiring technologist?
2: Yeah, look, I, th- I think my advice to aspiring technologists would be you have to try, right? So it doesn't matter what your background is, right? Like I've seen people come through from teaching, from musicians that have all readapted their careers, right? I think if this is what you want to do, try it, right? There's lots of online material. There's online courses. Belfast in Northern Ireland has incredible education around this. Go and try it, right? And if you're scared, do it scared. So those are my two bits of advice. Try it. And if you're scared, do it scared because there's so much opportunity in this kind of industry at the moment. So whatever your background is, and if this is what you love, you have to pursue it.
1: Yeah, loves that. And if you're scared, do it scared. I've actually, you know what? Over the Christmas period, having a few days off on the twad, I went and enrolled in an open university AI course. <laughs> and now yeah. I'm thinking, how the heck am I going to find the time to do four modules to <laughs> But I it's, will. <laughs> you,
2: it's funny, right? The enrollment will force you to find the time, right? And I think that's making the steps the best thing.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. in the check. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, a
2: dent in the wall. It's always good to focus the mind. Isn't it?
1: <laughs> and listen, as we're on the plane here, uh, Gareth, we always finish off with this question. What book or audio has had a profound impact on your career? And yeah. why?
2: So I have a number of these, right. That I did do. I'm going to admit, I did do a little bit of thought around this one, right? So the first one's really left field, right? So, Michael Caine, right, he, he had an autobiography called Blow the Bloody Doors Off, right? And in that, he had a bit of a lovely quote, which kind of stuck, really struck with me, right? So it is, take what you've got, make the most of it, learn how to do something. If you love it, you'll do it for nothing. Whatever it is, when you are doing it, it makes you feel amazing and most yourself. So I think that's just buying on exactly how I like to approach what I do. If you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. So to me, that was a really interesting book. He came from nothing. And look at him now. He's an elderly man. He's do- maybe been in some of the best films in the world. That's, so, that's
1: a powerful message, Gareth. I want to name for a book, by the way, as well. Those I know. Well,
2: yeah, that's the Italian job. It's a coach <laughs> from the Italian job which he was in. But the, the, the other one then, and I think it was all over social media, if you're on TikTok or any of the YouTube shorts, Chris Williamson, who has a podcast called Modern Wisdom, He says the magic you're looking for is in the work you're avoiding. And that really speaks to me. That really speaks to me because, and it's not the big stuff, right? It's the little small things like clearing your inbox, getting your diary tidied up, all those type of things. So that really spoke to me as well. That was a really interesting one for me.
1: I I saw that snippet actually pop up my gram about four months ago, (laughs) and I was absolutely obsessed as soon as it came out.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, the, the beauties and the work that you're trying to avoid. Uh, yeah,
2: it's for so for true. Sure. It's so true. Like we all put off these little things, right? And these little things add up the weight that sits in your shoulders, and you don't sleep well. You don't focus. It's like going oh, just do the things you want to do. It's
1: the beauty of having a lean process and being efficient, Gareth. So,
2: Gareth, listen. We, there's, we, there's probably we, one more Stephen there, right? 100%. There's probably one more, right? And again, this one's about David Goggins, right? He's crazy. You've all seen him. He runs. He shouts. Right? He's a bit of he's a bit of a cliche, but I really like the structure of his book because he had lessons, right? I like little lessons that I can consume. So he had there's twelve lessons, but three of them stick stick out of me. Number one, surround yourself with champions. Mm. That's what I do in work, right? And that's why we use recruitment firms to get the right people. You employ people who are better than yourself, right? I think that is the role there. So surround yourself with champions. I think secondly, then, is be your own hero and be uncommon in your own world. So it's okay to be different, but you have to have a bit of confidence in yourself, back yourself, and be your own hero. So I think that's really spoke to me. And the last one's just run your own race. So everybody's worried about what everybody else is doing. Social media, you compare yourself to others, but just be happy with your own race.
1: 100%, 100%, that's great takeaways. Garrison, do you know what? I could probably do a separate podcast with you on that feed too, including yourself the champion. But it's a whole kind of Jeff Bezos uh, approach as well, isn't it? Where you're in the door, you think you're lucky stars that you came in now because it was a few months down the line, you wouldn't get in with the talent that came in behind you. Uh, Garrison, yeah. certainly uh, put them out to that looking at EY. Um, and listen, probably for our our audience don't realise, we had a, a bit of a chat first time we met and I know that you have a little bit of a hobby yes. on the side that you've been doing, which maybe is a bit of DJing and on the decks. Do you ever yeah. Has there ever been a request for an EY summer bash or for a Christmas <laughs> bash for you to get involved? <laughs> yes.
2: No, the team asks me to do this all the time. I'm, I'm trying to be sensible and be a leader and, and not get too carried away, but I've, absolutely. I do It's something that to me, music, and, and that's always part of my life, right? And that's how I paid my way through university in the early stages of a career. Yeah, look, if you've ever won a party, I'm up for a party. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Brilliant. Gareth, Gareth, listen, this has been an absolutely ex- exceptional conversation, as we do. If people want to find out a bit more about yourself or the great work uh, and opportunities at EY, where and how could they go about doing this?
2: So I, I think if you're interested in EY hit me up on LinkedIn, right? I, I love having conversations with people that want to take charge of the career and do something different. So hit me up on LinkedIn. Obviously, over website, ui.com. But I think come chat to us, have a coffee. We'll introduce you to lots of interesting people. So hit me up on LinkedIn.
1: Brilliant. Garth, this has been a great conversation and thank you so much for your time.
2: All right. Thank you. Lovely.